Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings and slither in place because this is Snakebird. Welcome back, Snakebirds, to another episode of the cast. Today we are continuing with part two of our Unity episode, where we are addressing a listener-submitted question talking about building bridges and divisions in the body of Christ. So buckle up and let's continue our conversation, right, Stephen? That's right. Here we go. And it's interesting that you um, you drop off right there because I, I was actually going to springboard off of this whole idea of being baptized into the body of Christ in the scriptures that the listener brought for us, Josh. Mm-hmm. So yeah. are you cool if I jump into to some thoughts on that real quick? Please. Okay. Um, what struck me as interesting is that both of the scriptures that the listener brought, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, and then 12, 12 through 14, Um, Even though they're separated by 12 chapters, they have a key thought standing in opposition to these divisions. And it focuses on who's been baptized into the body of Christ. Uh, 1, 10 through 17 is the scene where Paul, he says, it's so important that you're unified and agree with each other, yet I'm hearing that you're quarreling with each other. Josh read that at the beginning of the episode. Um, And then he basically asked the questions, were you baptized in the name of Paul or Jesus? And then in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, he says, For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So Paul is, is really bringing home this idea in these two scriptures that I'm seeing, this, this idea of... Um, the unity of one body. In both cases, he references baptism, which we have already seen in other episodes. It represents a reborn person who has received the Holy Spirit, almost as if he's trying to make the point that being strong in the Spirit will settle all this division. Hmm. And I I mention this because of another point that um, Francis Chan made in his book, Until Unity, where he says the following here. If there truly is one unity-loving Spirit leading us, it makes no sense that we are becoming more and more divided. So either the Spirit never entered some of us, or we have done a masterful job of suppressing Him. No matter how many Bible verses you know and how well you can teach the Scriptures, you have to be willing to examine the fruit of your life to see if the Spirit has truly entered you. After honest examination, you may discover that you're not as humble and loving as you thought. If you don't really love people that deeply, it could be because you haven't experienced the love of Christ deeply. There may be an arrogance or emptiness in your soul that has caused more division than you realize. It might not be everyone else's fault after all. Will you humble yourself to admit the possibility of pride in your life that requires repentance? This could turn out to be the greatest discovery of your life. Mm. And those are some, some fantastic questions to ponder. And from from here, I thought about how we can apply practices that we can we can implement in our own day to day lives to to spark on those around us to, mm-hmm. to build these bridges of unity. And I I just wanted to kind of springboard off of those ideas of unity in, in both scriptures. Paul is is talking about being you know baptized into unity in the body of Christ. Yeah. And then Francis is like, if you have if you have the Spirit, then what is this about? And right. Paul is basically making the same point too. Yeah. And so I just wanted to read that. And uh, Josh, I know you said you had some some 
ideas and ways that we can build bridges, and I do too. But um, do you want to start off with yours going from from there? Sure. Uh, well, one thing that I just thought I'd dwell on is we were in a, a Bible study group together not too long ago, and we were reading First Corinthians. And I remember feeling really foolish because you were like, where does it say we have the mind of Christ? And I was like, I think that's in Colossians. And you're like, oh, no, we just read it recently. It was in First Corinthians. And uh, <laughs> I think it's at the end of chapter two. And, yeah. and um, it's like, for you have the mind of Christ. Yeah. And talking about the whole baptized into the body of Christ, all of a sudden now we are being transformed into Jesus and and it takes that stripping away of our own fleshly nature. Um, again, two of my largest points we've already kind of touched on is unity comes from maturity and then unity comes from humility. And uh, I was dwelling in Ephesians and I wanted to read a part from chapter uh, four that says this, uh, verses one through six, and then I'm going to skip down to verses 14 and uh, cover just a few more of that. Uh, Starting in verse one, it says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling with which you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then skipping down to verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their own hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That's like the anthem, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and I started to wonder if the divisions that we face in our lives is because we go back to living like the Gentiles do of, you know, measuring (laughs) everything and comparing everything and saying, well, we do it this way. So it's better. And, and allowing the flesh to really dictate what, uh, what the spirit would allow to to break down. I wrote this, and and maybe it's not true, but um, we should have more things that unite us in these uh, foundations of Christianity than divide us. Yeah, you know. And, and um, I I thought this was fascinating. I found this quote. It said Martin Luther said on one occasion, "I pray that you leave my name alone. Do not call yourselves Lutherans, but Christians." John Wesley said, the founder of Methodism. I wish the name Methodist may never be mentioned again, but lost in eternal oblivion. C.H. Spurgeon, who was a Baptist, said, I say of the Baptist name, let it perish and let Christ's own name last forever. I look forward with pleasure to the day when there will not be a Baptist living. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And yet 
here we go. It you speaks know. to the mission. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's not the mission of their brand. Yeah. It was the mission of Christ. Yeah. And yet, if you're in Lubbock, you're driving around and you're like, second Baptist, you know? Yeah. I go Lord of the Rings on it because I'm like, <laughs> what did it, you know, does he know about Elevensies? Luncheon, <laughs> you know? And it's yeah. just like, how did we get from first Baptist to second Baptist? Yeah. And, and I mean, tr- every church exists for a reason. So I'm not judging the fact that there's multiple Baptist churches and because yeah. there's multiple, all these churches. But um, the the fact is, is that uh, we all need to get along because we are all going to be getting along. Yeah. You know, um, there's that joke about going to heaven and, and there's multiple rooms and they're like, oh, you're going to make your way to room nine. Just be quiet as you go by room eight. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, what, you know, you're from here, go to room 11, but just be quiet as you go by room eight. And finally they ask, uh, you know, the angel that's ushering them around, they're like, well, why do we have to avoid room eight? And they're like, well, that's where the Baptists are and they don't think anyone else is here. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, it's just, I mean, Christian, like Christianity as a whole, we're all, there's not going to be Baptist heaven and there's not going to be Church of Christ heaven and there's not going to be Catholic heaven. There's going to be heaven. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really what, what Chan earlier in that quote, I've already lost it in my notes, but he basically (laughs) said, um, a lot of times people think that unity is this cop out for you know, avoiding the real deep issues mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, you, you don't want to study, so you just say, get along. Yes. And that's kind of what it's been tossed up as, and, and it's that's not true. No. Um, it is Jesus' will for the church, for his bride to be unified, and it's not just us saying, oh, everybody get along and hippie it all <laughs> up. That's not what it's about because I, I get that there are some – there are some things that we read in Scripture, and some people are dealing with certain situations in real time mm-hmm. with things in the Bible that it discusses and gives us instruction on, and people are are going to look at certain things differently. And it, it will actually divide families. I understand. I've seen this in my own family. Mm-hmm. So I understand the reality of you can't just give a Band-Aid and say, get along, because sometimes it doesn't work that way. You know, Paul and Barnabas had a situation, that's, you know, where they had to separate. Yes. Sometimes sometimes there's issues where it's best if you say, I love you, but we need some time apart. Yes. And so I get that. Josh and I both get that. But at the same time, the importance of unity, it's not just saying saying, you know, it's, it's not just the cop-out. No. So it, it, it's such a balance to consider in all of this. I agree, yeah. It really is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to hijack Josh. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I, I mean, I keep kind of doing the rambling thing, but as I looked at the second part of the question, what are some of the ways that we can um, – build bridges or we can start conversations. And I would say as, as, as much as we can to try to be versed in what the other person thinks and not in terms of like the cliche things about them, like, Oh, Catholics, you know, I know their answer for this. So I'm going to have my rebuttal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or the, I think I know everything about your religion or your sect of Christianity that I need to know and have this assumption as you go into it. Like, be humble, you know. Yeah. Um, I love uh, 
Craig Rochelle, he talks about leadership and he's like, a good leader asks more questions than he says statements, you know, and maybe yeah. when it's talking about building bridges with somebody is ask things about them, ask who they are, ask, you know, and don't just immediately shut down when they say something that you may not agree with. Yeah. You know, because there is there is that that part of it's like, well, that that's not my cup of tea, but it may not be unbiblical and it may not be, you know, something that sh- in the long run should be like, no, heretic, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're asking me, that's just some of the ways that I would try to approach this because I've had to use some of those in um, in the way that I communicate. I When I was a, a youth pastor, we went to a lot of uh, meetings with other pastors and other like youth leaders trying to, to kind of collectively come together and do events. And Man, you did, y'all, had, did y'all have some clashes? We well, it was like you know, you had those guys that swung from chandeliers in their <laughs> worship, and then you had the guys that were like so stoic, and yet trying to get them all on the same page was hilarious because you're like, well, <laughs> we want to have you know third day in concert, and they're like. On the third day, Jesus rose, you know, and, like, and then the other guys are like, no, we need harder, you know, and it's just like, I mean, we're bringing in pillar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, just trying oh, to find wow. that common ground. It's not easy, but it is, I think, the righteous thing to do. And I think it's a you noble know, pursuit. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know. Being silent or being uh, someone who is more observant is going to definitely have, I think, a more open door than somebody who's boisterous and like, this is what I believe. And if you don't, there's the door, you yeah, know. Yeah. Even a fool is thought wise. Yeah. Yeah. Silent. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I am trekking with you on that. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. So, um Josh, are you cool if we jump into some of these ideas on yes. b- bridge building? Yes. Um, I, I kind of start at a at a ground zero here and um, springboarding off of Chan's idea, which is to make sure the spirit really is something you've received. Uh, if you find that you're you're lacking in some of these key characteristics that the Bible tells us we're supposed to have then um, ask yourself, is there a sin or sins that I've not surrendered over that are hindering God's power in my life? Mm. Um, Is there anything that I know is a wall that God has made known to me already that needs to be dealt with? The Bible tells us that, that God is not only faithful to forgive those things, but that he'll take that weak part of you and raise it up for his glory when you go all in. Hebrews 12 tells us, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And if we do that, then God will direct our next steps with peace and purpose, and it will result in um, bridge building with other believers. And maybe you're not the one in the wrong where there is a divide out there at all. You know, sometimes this this might look like... uh, maintaining a, a humble and peaceful demeanor with, with some other believers who are out of line in their conduct. Mm. Uh, if we can heat burning coals on unbelievers' heads by doing good as a response to their evil, like Proverbs twenty five twenty two tells us, how much more will the Spirit eventually nudge a believer to come to peace with you when you have that same behavior towards them? Mm. So that's one way of building bridges that I thought of. You know, examine your own life. Is there a sin that I haven't repented of? Is there a wall 
from that that's hindering me from being unified and then uh, take it a step further and just be filled with the Holy Spirit and God God will take it from there. That's kind of a ground zero uh, step. Yeah. You know, that's awesome that you said that because I didn't even go that far. I'm like, well, everybody's on the same page, but <laughs> I think that is important because if we're not all baptized in the same spirit and walking in that spirit, then there is not going to be any unity and yeah. and <laughs> there will be no bridge built today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tear down that wall. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first one, kind of a, a ground zero stepping stone. Yeah. Um, another thing to consider uh, in bridge building is to keep love as a priority over doctrine. We kind of already touched on this, but what I mean by that is if the other believer has accepted Christ as their Savior and even has a mustard seed of fruit that confirms that, then know that the connection you share is strong enough already to love one another righteously. It's already there. Mm. If they are a diehard supporter of some angle of doctrine that causes arguments, even if they're in the wrong, don't start conversations about those topics with them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Can I? Okay. I just have to interject because it makes me think of somebody who has like an open wound yeah. and you're like going to see them and you're like, poking at it like does this hurt <laughs> wait wait let me try it from this angle does this hurt exactly uh, yeah i mean what do you expect it's gonna be awkward it's and, and it's gonna they're gonna be all angry at you for poking it exactly exactly and if they need correction then at some point god's gonna reveal that to mm-hmm. them um remember what chan said is not our primary goal to critique them it's our primary goal to love them yes so um that's a big one and um what that looks like is sincere concern for their well-being, not just a checklist of how you doing, brother, how you doing, sister, but an honest pursuit of how their day is going, how their week is going. Is there something I can pray for you on? Um, what has God been doing in your life lately? Mm. And then follow up with your sincere outreach to them. And in doing this, you're fulfilling the second most important commandment that Jesus gave us outside of loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And I guarantee, even if they're harboring a grudge-like attitude because of some random doctrinal divide, your sincere persistence of kindness and love, it'll take to those walls of divide like a wrecking ball. Mm. And when that happens, God does his best work in relationships. I've personally seen this work out in, in not every relationship and situation, but I have seen it work. And so that's one, one um, encouragement I bring as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then um, as a conversation starter for those moments that you do feel God wants you to engage someone with, uh, I guess, like an iron sharpening iron type of setting, I had a few ideas to start a conversation. And I I feel like I have to be careful on my examples because I don't want to condemn or promote some of these doctrines without the proper time um, to, to dedicate in each realm. But here's some vague examples of how you might approach someone who from what you can tell is being hindered because of bad doctrine or misunderstood scriptures. Say that you have someone who early on in their life, uh, they they prayed a a prayer to receive Jesus. The preacher worked them into an emotional frenzy. They walked down the aisle, prayed that prayer. Preacher told them from that point forward, they're saved by the blood of the lamb. The score settled. They never have to worry about hell again. And let's say they take those words to the bank. And they've had no meaningful discipleship from that day until 10 years later when you're encountering this. 
you see very little, if any, evidence that they are a growing believer from that point to, to this point. And maybe one day you hear them say, man, I can't stand those legalistic Christians with all the rules. They give us a bad name. And you're sitting there, you're the person who, who takes your faith seriously. And maybe you're the tightwad that, that is being referenced in the comment they just made. Mm. At this point, you can do one of two things. You can think to yourself, how dare this fake Christian look down on me? They come to work every Monday, still hung over from the night before, bragging about the guy or girl they brought home. How dare they? Or you could find an opportunity to tactfully share a time in your life when God made it known to you that there's a next step to take in growth. Mm. And be careful that you don't come across as condescending or patronizing with this next step. But for someone like this who has been under the doctrine of, of cheap grace, there could be an opportunity uh, you could find to show them loving scriptures. <laughs> I say loving scriptures like Hebrews 10, 26 through 29, 1 John 3, 6 through 10, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. These are all scriptures. And if you've read these before, um, you're going to know these are hard-hitting scriptures. They are hard-hitting. They're, they're scriptures designed to redirect an unfruitful Christian or a drifting Christian. It's meant to, when you read it, it, it strikes a chord within you if you're a believer and you're like, oh my God my God, I've got to turn around. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can't find a way to introduce them to the correcting truth of God's word without sounding condescending, then come alongside them to help them grow. That's a bridge builder between two polar opposite theologies. They might It might be cheap grace, and they might look at you like a total stiffwad, whatever. But if you can introduce them to God's word, it will not return void. And I would just really encourage you to, to find a way to do this with um, with someone that you might not agree with or you see it's damaging to their walk in, in a way that's not condescending. Introduce them to God's Word, the scriptures that God placed in the Bible that are designed to redirect. And, and remember, we could flip that coin for someone who's, who's dangerously legalistic to the point of condemning their brothers and sisters because of unfollowed rules. Maybe it's a uh, unfollowed sacraments from the Catholic faith or a very heavily regulated checklist from uh, the Protestants, so they would call them. <laughs> but uh, in these situations, a person who understands the gospel of grace can come alongside them in a sincere way to reveal scriptures that show the beauty of resting in grace in verses like Philippians 3.9, Romans 11.16, Isaiah 29.13, Hebrews 10.6, John 13.34-35. All of those verses are God's God breathed in order to show Jesus' finished work on the cross so that we don't have to try to earn our way to heaven. So it goes both ways. If, you, if you're disagreeing with somebody and you'll have these doctrinal walls that are they're just kind of there and you do feel God is leading you to talk with them, do it in this way where you bring them to God's word, not in a condescending way. Mm-hmm. So I feel, I feel like I repeated myself multiple times, but I feel like it's really important to grasp not doing it in a condescending way, <laughs> uh, just because I, I've had it done to me a lot of times in life where someone is like, you know, it's unfortunate you don't know your Bible. And they, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. No, I, I sure do. Um, is that the way you want to say it, Stephen? <laughs> you said don't do it in a condescending way. I was having, way. I was having deja vu, and then you <laughs> no, did it to me. I just <laughs> no, I that's great. The episode. <laughs> no, you you get the point though. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and I don't have a lot more, Josh. But um, is there anything you wanted to add before I, I said my last piece? No, no. I think those are all great pieces of advice. And man, I, I just know that we need to get along. And you know, I do a little appreciate that you're like we're not hippies, but really we should be. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. We should be growing together. Yeah, and, and that was that was literally Paul's hope for the church is not to be divided, not to have anything that would, would stand in our ways, especially as long as it's not doctrinal. If it's doctrinal, then we have to stand on truth. Yeah. But if it's, if it's not doctrinal, then, I mean, what is it? What's our holdup other than our pride? Yeah. And then weighing that truth, because, you know, there's, there's some people that see truth where there's not truth. Yeah. And so yeah. there's, there's still gray areas. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree fully. I agree fully. Um, the last thing that I, I would say is, is encouragement to always enter the conversation with a recognition that God can grow both parties. Uh, it doesn't matter how biblically astute you are. Don't assume that God's placed you in someone else's life to enlighten them. Uh, we can learn from anyone that God puts in our path. With love at the forefront and an open mind, we can have civil and productive conversations with other believers on just about any doctrinal divide that exists, I really believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you might not always walk away seeing eye to eye, but let's face it, when we're graduated from this whole mess, what are any of those non-essential divides going to matter anyway? Yes. In the here and now, be driven by love that's going to last forever, not the things that are going to get burned up. And uh, are there things that are worth discussing, things that separate denominations? Yes, there are. And by all means, let's sit down with each other. Let's have a civil conversation if that's where God's leading us. But make sure the reason the discussion is happening is because you want the best for your brother or sister in Christ, not because you want to be right. Yeah, That should always be the heart behind the discussion or debates, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, isn't that just an argument with anyone is like, are you arguing because you want to to find out what's going on, or are you having this, or is it because you want to be right? Yeah. And so often, <laughs> when we look at what the the real uh, heart of it is, it's like, oh, I just want to be right, and yeah, and that's not right. <laughs> Those heart check moments are <laughs> yeah. tough to face. Yeah, even yeah. in myself. Which goes back to you know, unity comes from humility. So yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah, great point. Yeah. So uh, listener, thank you for asking this. Yes. Yeah, we're really grateful that you reached out with this question because it gives us kind of a pulse for, for what you listeners are, are thinking out there and what you're dealing with. And, and in this case, this is something that we all deal with. So mm -hmm. we're very grateful that you reached out with that and encourage. Uh, if you have any more ideas, send them our way. Yes, yeah. And if you're listening and you're like, man, they talked about that listener a lot. Well, then we'll <laughs> talk about you a lot if you submit that a topic. Will. And uh, we would love to hear anything that you'd like to have us speak on. You can always send us topic requests at our email at connect at basnakebird.com or through our Facebook page. Just search Snakebird on Facebook and hit us up. That's right, guys. And if you find it in your heart to do so, it would go a long way for the podcast if you give us a, a rating and review 
on the platform, whichever one you listen to us on. And uh, we just thank you so much for tuning in every week. It's a great encouragement to us. And uh, we pray for you every week. We love you guys. Yes. And just rate us with charity and a spirit of unity. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Keep this episode in mind. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, always remember, Snakebirds, whatever you do. Wherever you go. No matter what life throws at you. There's never been a better time to unify in Jesus. And be a snakebird. Snake